This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks, welcome to episode 10 of the How You Going Mate podcast, Adam's my name. Uh, this episode, we're going back to, and I think in the uh, in the intro, I describe him as the OG of the podcast. Uh, it is my uh, my good friend Nathan Peterson. Now he, uh, in the first episode, asked me to not reveal uh, his full name, uh, but uh, of course, we've got these really uh, clever listeners that actually go out and investigate these things, and uh, people were able to figure out who it was pretty quickly. And the people that knew him. Um, from school the way I do, that they uh, figured out pretty quickly who he was as well. <laughs> it's pretty distinctive sounding. So uh, it was fantastic to have Nath back. Um, and I was really curious, after the last podcast, I had lots and lots of questions, but I wanted to focus on a couple of areas. I wanted to focus on his time at rehab, uh, what a day in the life of rehab looked like and what that was kind of like for him, that those early stages. And I also wanted to focus on life after rehab and what it looked like for him and and um, and I guess some of the difficulties around, you know, um, managing, uh, you know, being being back out in the world, really, uh, and being out of, a, I think we refer to it as the bubble of rehab. So this first episode is about uh, a day in the life of rehab, and we were, I was really interested to, to hear his thoughts on this. Um, the thing that struck me across the two conversations, in fact, all the conversations is, and I, and I think, I can't remember if I mentioned it in the first one or the second one, but he's a very, very different man for having been in, gone through this process, uh, much more emotionally connected, much more, um, I guess, understands who he is and his place in the world. Uh, he talks in the second podcast about being much more connected to his, his wife and his family. And personally, um, the, the thing that over, overwhelmingly struck me as I was uh, listening to him talk and, and having this conversation with him was just um, how proud I was of him and how amazing it is that he could make that change and he could do the things that he did. It was really, really, it's really incredible. It's incredible to witness and and um, Nathan should be very proud of himself. So this first episode is about his time in rehab and uh, the and what actually happened um, and what that process felt like. Uh, now, a couple of things I just want to uh, give a few a few mentions and a few shout-outs. Where big shout-out to Tanya uh, from the last podcast. She did over 200, in fact, at this stage, 225 listens. She's by far our most popular podcast. She got to uh, 50 quicker than anyone else. She got to 100 quicker than anyone else. And it's been quite incredible, so a huge thank you to her. Um, big thank you to all the great feedback we got from that podcast as well, all the fantastic listeners. Um, huge support here in Australia, and we're really happy that people are, are loving and, and listening to what we're doing. But massive support all, all over the world, South Africa, France, England, Scotland, 
Canada, Germany, America. It's just, it's incredible to sit and think that people are listening all over the world to this podcast, and it really is mind-blowing, and we I just want more. I want more people to listen. So please share this. Please let people know. If you've got someone you think needs to hear Nathan's story or any of the stories we talk about, please let them know. You can listen on an Apple podcast. You can listen on iTunes. Well, on iTunes. Yeah, that is Apple podcast. Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen via most of the good podcasting apps, CastBox, Overcast. So please download one of the apps, download the episodes, subscribe, leave a review, tell us what you think about it. But most importantly, folks, please go out and ask somebody how they're going. Uh, And a big shout out to all of you that are dealing with the fires at the moment. I've been down that road. We we got touched by the bushfire. Touched by the bushfires about 18 months ago here, uh, where I live. Uh, it's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly scary. Uh, if you know someone that's in the way of these bushfires, get in touch with them. A big thank you to our fireys, the, the, uh, particularly the RFS. They are incredible. They're volunteers. They're just men and, and women like everyone else, but they run into the places that the rest of us run away from, and, and that's amazing. So... Um, Get in touch with one of those guys, make sure they're okay, support them however you can. But as I always say, most importantly, get in contact with someone and ask them, how you going, mate? All that being said, um, thank you so much for listening and uh, here's Nathan. Oh, Nathan, how are you going, mate? Uh, really well, actually. He's the OG of the uh, the podcast, he's the... The, the the first uh, the first ever guest, um, and you know I've, I've, I was pretty desperate actually. I, truthfully, I was pretty desperate to get you back on because I knew there was more to the story, and there was a couple of things I wanted to to cover off on as well. But first, how how are you going? That's the question, mate. Good days and bad, you know. Um, the good days outnumber the bad these days, though. Yeah, that's which is you know a lot better than it was before, and. When there are bad days, I know what to do. Yeah. You know, I never knew what to do before. So, yeah. I'm, all in all, I'm going pretty well. I, I said to you off air, I've said this to a bunch of people as well. I knew you had a story. Mm. I knew there was a story there. I'd seen enough of Facebook and things like that to go, okay, there's a story there. I didn't expect it to be the story that we got, which was phenomenal. We've had great reaction to it. Um, we've now 130, well, actually, in total, 200 listens to your podcast because if we count the snippet that we took yep. out so we've had 200 listens over 1300 total so far which has been amazing and a bunch of people coming up to me going that story was mind-blowing but the big question i took out of it was um and and this is what we're going to look at in, in this little in this podcast is a day in the life of rehab you know <laughs> it, it's interesting because they're all different right so yeah, yeah. a day in the life of of South Pacific, where I went, is going yeah. to be different to a day in the life at the Buttery or yeah. or any of the other places. Interestingly, a day in the life of uh, South Pacific is is not dissimilar to t- to Twenty Eight Days with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're talking about to this before. My first day, uh, we did the intake interview, which I did over the phone, and then I had to wait three months. Um, yeah. I had to change private health insurance, and then I had to wait three months to get in. Oh, so okay. I had a three month waiting period. And at that point, I, I had my last um, drink, drug, and 
I, I think my gamble was a bit earlier than the 28th of Feb. Yeah. But I, I don't want to have different sobriety dates, so I just claimed them all as the 28th of Feb. Yeah. And I went into rehab a couple of days later. And I did that because my birthday is March the 11th and I was going to be in, in rehab for my birthday and I wanted to celebrate my birthday, you know. Yeah. You know how it is. And um, they did the intake interview and she and the lady, very professional, very very lovely ladies, um, when did you have your last drink? And I said, it was about five days ago. And she went, oh, okay. And she scribbled something down. And then when did you have your last drug? And I said, oh, about five days ago. She scribbled something else down. You know, and you're on anything at the moment? Well, no, I've had a couple of cans of Red Bull, but that's about it. Right. And she's like, oh, okay, we're just going to put you in detox. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm completely sober. She's like, no, no, we believe you. We're just going to put you in, re- in detox though. And it was quite clear that probably everyone lies on that intake interview. Yeah. So everybody goes to re- to how detox many, anyway. how, many, how many smokes do you smoke a day? Oh, well, oh wow. I don't know, 10, 15, 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everybody goes to detox. <clears throat> and I think I wasn't there very long before I realized that it's... the See, for me, rehab was this glamorous place that Hollywood celebrities went to. Yeah, right, and that the Betty Ford Clinic. Yeah, yeah. It immediately springs to mind. You know, you don't you don't hear about Bill from Ashcroft going to rehab. Mm. You know, you hear about Charlie Sheen and and, and all those guys. Well, they that, send that, an NRL uh, player to Thailand. To do yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what I expected. And the South Pacific is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and I'll say that at the get go. I, I I go back every now and again. I'm going back on the 27th of this month for a um. I help uh, with a GA meeting that goes on inside there and I'm going back on the 27th to do that and I I go back there as often as I can and it's the one place that I feel more calm and more serene than any other place that I go to even just driving into Curl Curl I start to calm no matter what mood I'm in when I'm there I'm I'm completely and utterly calm and it's it's crazy I I go there and I go into the, the group therapy room that I spent my 29 days basically in is the room where we hold the GA meetings. Mm. So I get to go back to where it all began regularly. Mm. It's so, so cool. But having said that, it's a psychiatric hospital. Mm. That's the end of the day. Mm. And you, you can miss that because there are little signs that say this is a psychiatric hospital. Like the, mm. I think they have to display that it's a medical facility. Yeah. But I worked it out when I walked in and they put my... First of all, you can't take your bag in. They take your bag and then they search it, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> then they deliver it to your suite. <laughs> in, in, in my case, or in most cases, I guess, when you go in and you go into detox, is a, a three, four, five or six bedroom yeah. with um, like a hospital room. Yeah. And they, they p- placed my bag very, very nicely on the bed for me when I when it was already there when I got there. And I walked in and, you know, and they asked me again if I've got any contraband in the bag and they had another, another little quick look through while I was there and we put it all away and I said, right, so here I am, what, what do I do? It's like day one, just sort of take a wander and get to know the, the place and the building and the layout. And sort is, it, of, is there like fences? Is there gates? Is there... No? no? There is a fence at the back, like it's like a yard, like a... So just a normal fence, not like a prison no, wall fence with... No, no, no. no it's about, about, a, about a six or eight foot colour bond fence. yeah. You know, you can go over it if you want to. Yeah. The front door's not locked. It's locked at night. Yeah. But not during the day. You can walk out if you wish. They're not going to stop you. Okay. Um, and, and I'll get to that. I almost did at one point. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, but, so day so one. day you just, one, just wander. Yeah. 
there's a, a schedule, so you can look at the you can look at your watch and work out where what things are happening if you have any idea of what that is on your first day. Mm. So I was wandering around, and it's and it's not a big place as such, but it feels really big because there's lots of halls. So I was just wondering. You said there's about fifty people there, any, any yeah, given time last 50, time, yeah, yeah, about fifty ish between. You know, it fluctuates, but around yeah. fifty, I think, is the the number that's usually there. Okay, and they refer to it as the community, so they don't really refer to other patients or anything like that. It's just a member of the community, mm. and the community extends to all of the staff as well. Yeah. So everybody is a member of the community. Yeah. So. I wander around on my first day and, you know, I'm just sort of looking around, getting to know the place and there's, you know, there's various rooms. There's a, a room they call the Rock Castle Room, which is um, like a breakout, chill out sort of room. Um, there's a, a, an arts and crafts sort of room where you can colour in and do all that sort of stuff because there is no TV, there is no radio, there is no internet, there is no mobile phones, there is no newspaper, there is no non-recovery related reading material. There's, there's p- people listening to this now having twitches. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, you know, like that. What do you mean, no phone? <laughs> completely cut off. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you've got children, and don't quote me on this, but I, from memory, I think it's if you've got children under twelve, you're allowed a phone call every day. Mm. If you don't have children under the age of twelve, or there is no other extenuating circumstance, you're allowed one phone call a week. And that is on a payphone, yeah. And you need to buy a phone card yeah. to be able to use that payphone. And it's I think there's a there's a roster written on the on the wall yep. on the door. And if you don't get your name on that, and you get a five minute slot, mm. if you haven't got your name on that slot, you don't get in. You don't get a you yeah. Get you miss call. out. So there's always a rush first thing in the morning <laughs> to get that name up there for that slot. Yeah. Um, prize slots, obviously, after dinner. Yeah. If you eat your dinner quick enough, you can nip down. You might get an extra five or six minutes on the phone. Yeah, all that sort of thing. And so I'm wandering around on my first day, and I, I see the schedule. And there's lectures and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. um, the 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 thing there's on there at three o'clock, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't remember what it what it's called for the life of me. Um, and if it comes to me later, I'll just if I just blurt a word out at you later on, you'll notice what I mean. <laughs> But it's, it's like a graduation mm. and it's every Monday at three o'clock and it's all the people that are leaving South Pacific that week, they, they do their, their speech and, you know, they receive, you receive a medal when you're finished yeah. with a, a colour ribbon of whatever colour group that you're in when you're in South in, in there and, um, you know, they talk about, you know, what was Adam like when he first got here, your, your senior therapist basically mm. is what did Adam what was Adam like when he first got here and what is he like now and mm. you know what's he done and then you can you can say a few words if you wish or you can just take your medal and go and sit down again everybody claps it's and I was sitting there and I was like this is this is really cool and I'd seen the word God on the wall of a few places and those who know me know me before I went to to rehab I was a, a devout atheist mm. um, I, I didn't really believe in God unless I was playing a poker machine mm. and I was praying for a feature yeah then I, then I had a firm belief in a God that owed me something. Mm. Um, so I was a little nervous about seeing God around all over the place. And at the end of the uh, the ceremony, we all stand up and join hands. Mm. And, and they say the serenity prayer. And I literally was the serenity what now? Mm. I had no idea what this thing was. I'd never heard of it. Mm. Um, when they'd said, when they started it, I'd, I'd, I'd heard... People say before, you know, God, give me the strength, mm. you know. But the serenity prayer itself is, is quite, for me anyway, I, I, 
well, I pray daily now, which is mm. a massive change, but it's just a, for me, it's a 10 second pause. Instead of counting to 10, mm. I just go through the serenity prayer in my head. Mm. And for those that don't know what it is, it's, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and most importantly, the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. And at South Pacific, they actually add a line to the end, which is the willingness to take action and do whatever it takes, mm. which I think is really cool. Yeah. So we get up and we're all holding hands and, and we're praying now. And I've been in rehab for about five hours at this point and I'm in a circle of people holding hands praying. What am I doing? I literally <laughs> thought, at that, at that minute I thought, I've joined a cult. Okay, this is, <coughs> this is very interesting. Yep. And next, uh, they said, we're going, to, we're going to sing Lean On Me as a group. <laughs> And I, I'm, I don't sing for obvious reasons for anyone who's ever heard my singing yeah. voice. But Everyone sings, you just don't sing well. Yeah, exactly. And so now we're singing Lean On Me. Yeah. And I love that song. Yeah. I really like that song. Not so much anymore. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been overplayed now. <laughs> I just the people, the voices. Bad association. That, that, yeah. that, that day and testimonials is called. <laughs> testimonials. Testimonials. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it, it felt really, really uncomfortable, mm. but really, really right at the same time. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I felt good, you know. Yeah. It felt nice to be in a room full of people singing a, a silly song, you know. And it's, it's got a great meaning, that song, but singing a song that, you know, it's, it's good fun. No one's drunk. Everybody's stone cold sober. And the people that have been at South Pacific for now four weeks and leaving, that means some shit to them. Yeah. You know, I, I realised that when I was leaving, that the the flippancy that I sort of had at the beginning is understandable, but that it, what it must have meant to the people who were leaving yeah. when I was coming in. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just a great feeling. And yeah. But that was my introduction to, to South Pacific was, you know, we're going to join hands and pray and then sing some songs. Yeah. And I was talking to Sharon that night and sort of went, babe, I think I've joined a cult. <laughs> and she's like, well, enjoy it. You're there for 29 more days. <laughs> and you know what? Um, I missed my phone for about a day. Yeah. And after that, I, I actually talked to people. Yeah. You know, I, I had some amazing conversations with some people that I, I tried to stay in touch with. Some I did, some I couldn't. Um, for for various reasons, different people. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I coloured in a lot. You know, and we'd be colouring in 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 the rock castle room, having a bit of a colour in with a group of people and a yeah. and a conversation. You know, people still got angry, people still got hurt, people still got upset and offended and whatever. Yeah. But no one, no one was on phones. No one was ignoring anyone else. Yeah. You know, it, it it's kind of a forced connection. Yeah. And it works. My my immediate reaction is like it's yeah counterproductive. Like it's it's too much all at once. You yeah. know, I didn't tell you everything, but obviously there's a <laughs> but you know even even the bit you t- you know well obviously no alcohol no drugs no gambling no but, sugar no but caffeine. no sugar no caffeine no chocolate no chocolate no no stimulants no exercise no no newspapers no radio no, no. television no internet. So for people that have had even, you know, phones are only 10 or 12 years old, but 
no access to anything like that is a i feel like that's like you know going from being a total meat eater to eating nothing but beans and having this yeah. incredible shock to your system but obviously there's method to their madness and they get it and they they understand well we you know what we've actually got to smash you with something absolutely and one of the first things that my therapist is um a guy named gregory and again I don't know that there would be... If you could design the polar opposite of me, hmm. that would be Gregory. Yeah. And what a fantastic man. You yeah. Know? Um, just a, a very giving, very loving guy, you know, who, who didn't want anything at all. Obviously, he's there doing a job, hmm. right? But he was invested in every one of his patients. Hmm. And I, I hope that continues. I was lucky enough to be in his first group. Hmm. His first group at, at, at South Pacific. There was a another therapist in the room for the first oh, six or so sessions while she was handing over to him. Hmm. And then she was gone and we were his first group. Hmm. And a mate, he was petrified that he was going to make the wrong, do the wrong thing. And we were petrified that we were going to screw, screw up his entire career. Just imagine his reflection notes afterwards. No one went and had a drink after the session. Successful. <laughs> Win. <laughs> but one of the first things he said to me, he asked me a question. He said, what is the opposite of addiction? Hmm. And instantly it was abstinence. Hmm. And he said, no, it's connection. Mm. And I touched on this yeah, in, in the last one. one yeah. Yeah. He said, the opposite of addiction is connection. And if that's the case, what are the biggest hindrances to connection? Mm. In this day and age is mobile devices. Yeah. You know, so take those away. Um, <coughs> people get lost in, in any sort of addiction, you know, sugar, food, oh, yeah. whatever it is. Yep. They take away anything that, that or as much as they can, they take away everything that's addictive. Mm. You know, there's no smoking, there's... And that's the other thing. You see at rehabs all the time, the people at the back chain smoking cigarettes and yeah. no smoking there. No. Um, people obviously still do yeah. because humans are flawed. Yeah. I, I did. I got caught and I got put on a, a smoking contract, um, which I'll touch on hmm. a bit later when we go through the you know, day in the life. But um, yeah, it's, it's total immersion in... The village, the idea of a village. Okay, you know, back to the old days of no distractions, yep. nothing, just you working on you, and me working on me, and us working on each other together. Yeah, and you've got um, a group of people there that have all got at least one thing in common with you. Generally, so, yeah, yeah, mental. Yeah, you know, what what was it? someone said it at a meeting once a long time ago, and I picked it up and I've used it a hundred times since. And you know, we're all here because we're not all there. Yeah. You know, and that, that's just so yeah. true. I had, I had in my particular group, there was uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, there was depression, there was depression and anxiety, there was the burger with the lot, which is what I call mine, which is you know drugs, gambling, and alcohol. Yeah. Um, another guy who was in a burger with the lot as well, and there was an alcoholic and a drug addict. You know? So when you this is a question I've had bouncing around my head for a while. When you went in there, you went in for an addiction problem. Yes. How soon afterwards, or did you? Because the last the last podcast, you talked about the fact that you didn't understand mental health till you were forty. Exactly. Um, when was there a point where you went? Actually, shit, I've got a mental health issue. This is I've got a, I, I, this isn't a, just an addiction problem. I've got a mental health problem. Well, the fact I was in a psychiatric hospital probably. Give me a tip. <laughs> but, All right, it's a pretty, pretty good chance that yeah, that's the reason you're there. Yeah, someone. Yeah, um, but but in terms of just your own realization and understanding of it, did you walking out on I'm, I'm I'm an addict? You know, 
Yeah, I did. And, and depression, anxiety was something that I was obviously suffering from back then as well. Yeah. But I didn't really, I didn't really click on that until this year. Yeah. yeah. So even while you're in the facility, you're no. not sitting there going, I've got a mental health issue that I've got to process here no. as well. The reason I'm gambling and drinking and drugging is because of this. Well, there was obviously some... And they discussed with me, you know, suffering PTSD. And I always referred to... And I always thought of PTSD as what soldiers get when they they finish war. But it's post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's just anyone that's had trauma. Yeah. How that manifests in your life later on. Yeah. And, And it's not, you know, the... I always think of the Vietnam veteran when a car backfires and they hit the ground because that's the classic look of of PTSD. But it's, you know, when someone raises their voice and inwardly you cower, well, that's a PTSD reaction. Mm. You know, it's a a deep emotional connection to that fear of that raised voice being followed by violence. Yeah. You know, and so they mentioned PTSD and I sort of, because of that, Association that I had with that, I was I was like, yeah, nah, look, nah. I, I, I've never me, been in the name. No, it was like yeah. if I start claiming that, then I've really got to say that you know I'm going to cheap. I felt like I was cheapening a soldier's yeah, yeah, yeah. journey, and yeah. I just I ended up having to dissociate from that version of PTSD because there's no there's no doubt when I spoke to a psychologist um, earlier this year, she was very much like you're definitely suffering from a form of PTSD and anxiety and depression. And I'm like, really? I just thought I was worried sometimes and, and yeah. a bit sad. Yeah. But when I thought about it and, you know, I went through it and I had a decent anxiety attack last Friday, mm. you know, and Sharon will tell you, I, I was completely off tap, mm. you know, and I, I can snap really quickly mm. and, the fact is that I know that now and I can sort of withdraw and pull myself away rather than mm. feed that full-blown anxiety. And I guess understanding this is happening, there's a reason it's happening, I know what that is now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because beforehand you go, I don't know what's going on and I don't understand I'm really why angry. I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I would get really angry at my son and not really realise why. Mm. You know, it would be a very small thing that he had done and, and I would be internally losing my mind. I'd give him a bit of a gobful as well. Mm. And it wasn't until I sort of associated it all together that he's behaving very similar to me when I was his age mm-hmm. and our dynamic is very similar to the dynamic of mine and my father, mm. which triggers the emotional memory of my relationship with my dad, mm. which makes me angry or beyond all reason of why he what he's actually done. Mm. And when you complete that circle in my head, I'm like, just pull your head in. It's not him, it's you. Mm. you know? And that's something that I really reinforce with my family as well. Is it's not, it, I can't control you yeah. and what you do. All I can control is my side. And if I keep my side of the street as clean as possible, what you do with your side of the street your business. Yeah. If you catch yourself now, you can get it. You, you can stop it before you get to that point where you're screaming at him. Or yeah, you, with the anger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, like last Friday was a, was a, was a bad one, and, and I didn't catch it, yeah. and it and it, and it escalated, and Sharon left and took the kids to school, and it wasn't probably until that was at seven in the morning. It wasn't until lunchtime that I was calm. Yeah, you know, it was it was a good five hour. But three years ago, bullshit a thought. Three years ago, at seven o'clock in the morning, pissed off at the kids, you go to the fridge and pull out a beer. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, or you get in the car and go down to the pub and. 
I'd be looking for an early opener. Put under it in the pokies as well. Oh, and the rest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have had to have found a way to run from that. Yeah. Because anger, anger scares the living crap out of me. Yeah. You know, I've seen the destruction that anger can cause, that I've caused with anger, and yeah. that other people have caused to me and around me with anger. Yeah. And that scares me. Yeah. Um, that lack of control. You know what you're capable of as well. Yeah, and I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. And um, that would I would have had to run from that. Yeah. And however I chose to run, you know, whether it be drink, drug, gambling, food, sex, and yeah. I talk about this a lot, and I talk about it at meetings. You know, the god shaped hole mm. that I that I had. You know, and I refer to it as the God shaped hole because, you know, in, in the programs we, we talk about you know, finding a higher power, whatever mm. that is, yada yada yada. And and I call it the God shaped hole because no matter what I poured into that hole, and I poured a lot of different stuff mm. in that hole, man. Mm. Like drink, drugs, gambling, sex, food, adrenaline, you know, sport, athletics, whatever mm. it was, I poured in that hole and as soon as I stopped pouring it was empty again. Mm. You know, and Today it's it's not full, but it's better. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's just I don't have to, and and all of that stuff was just trying to fill the hole inside and hide from what I was trying not to feel or think. Yeah, yeah. but we've got off the topic. Of no, the, no, no, of no. we're we're, we're right in the topics. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was and it was a question I was interested in because you know in my head the more ever since our conversation, the more I think about it, you touched on it then. Um. I, I think I, I sort of look at it as a circle. So at some point, you know, you, you've got a need that you need fulfilled. If need doesn't get fulfilled in a healthy way, it gets fulfilled in an unhealthy way. But then you learn, actually, this one's pretty good. I, I'm not getting this, but this other feeling's really good. But it's a negative coping mechanism. And then all of a sudden, that loop that you're in is now filling that need with a negative coping mechanism. Absolutely. You know, but I'm looking at this thing like. like and, you know, I'm going to offend a bunch of people when I say this, but, I, like, anybody that's sitting there in a, on a Monday afternoon at work and going, oh, I can't wait to have a beer tonight, you've probably got an alcohol problem. Well, Maybe you're not drinking 20 beers in a four-hour period, yeah. but you're definitely trying to shut your, your your anxiety response down with a depressant. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I'm really depressed. I need some more depressants. Um, again, you do not have to be... An old man in Hyde Park with a brown paper bag to yeah. be an alcoholic. Yeah, you know you don't have to be drinking fifty beers a day. Absolutely, and yeah. you don't have to drink every day either. Yeah, you know? but but equally, you know, so mine wouldn't would be food. Yeah, you know, you know, my wife will come home and go, I can have some chocolate. Yep, cool because chocolate makes you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. When you feel really shitty, absolutely. Take out the chocolate. What else can you have to feel good that doesn't involve a substance, even it's, chocolate? It's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. And what what I've found today, and look, a lot of people talk about 12-step programs as to whether they work or whether they don't work and, and whatever mm. the case may be. And what I say to that, and there are, there are people out there that say there is no other way of recovery aside from 12-step. Mm. Fine. That's, that's your opinion and everybody's entitled to mm. it. I think everybody should give it a go that has an issue because it worked for me. Mm. Maybe it'll work for you. Mm. But... You've got to be the reason I, I find it works is is and Sharon will tell you when when I don't go and and have a meeting and I'm supposed to be at Liverpool tonight mm. having a, a meeting um, where I go every every Monday night mm. but for me this is the same thing yeah 
you know, I, I get to have a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. share the, 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 the good and the bad that's in my head mm. and leave it on the table. Yep. I don't have to carry it anymore. And only 130 other people listen. Oh, hopefully, actually, a couple hundred listen to it. Mate, I have thousands listen to it. I want them I, to. <laughs> and if, if one person listens to it, yeah. just one, and says, you know what, that makes sense to me, yeah. um, and they get along to a meeting or they get along to a psychologist or they get along to a GP and, and, and they have a chat about it, yeah. this is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's that's the end of the day. That's what it is. Absolutely. All right. So we wake up day one. Day one. We, we've so- we've gone to sleep. There's no coffee waking up. There's <laughs> no coffee. And and I had a look at the website as I said after our chat, and you know, it, day one is well, you know the start of the morning is a six forty five walk along the beach. Actually, it's not, isn't it? What is it? Day one is when you're still in detox. You're not oh, allowed to go on a beach walk. Is that a reward? Detox. That's a once you get out of detox, because if you're detoxing from drugs or alcohol, yeah. you're physically very, very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're, there was a guy that was there that was being woken up fairly regularly, given, you know, shots of vitamins and Valium to, yeah. to control delirium tremens. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's some serious medical side effects to coming off drugs and alcohol. So they don't let you go for a beach walk for medical reasons while you're in, mm-hmm. in detox. So day one is generally, you know, wake up and, and start your day with breakfast, um, a conversation with people, have a shower, get dressed, you know, and then commute. what they have is community meeting at 9 a.m. Yep. Now, we'll t- I'll get back to that in one sec. The reason why, the, the first indication I had that I was in a psychiatric hospital was when I went to bed that night, the first night. And the, the sheets are nice. Underneath the sheets are plastic coverings on the mattress yep. and the pillows. And as I sat down, you get that. Yep. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just lay down and put my head on the pillow. Like, oh, okay, so they're expecting mess. Yep. <laughs> this, may be, blood. This, may, this may be a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> you know, and then when I went up for breakfast the next morning, I sat outside on a beautiful balcony overlooking Curl Curl Beach and I tried to move my chair in and it was bolted to the ground. Yep. <laughs> Indication number two that this may be a secure, secure psychiatric facility. And, you know, despite the, the fact that it does look like a resort and it's, um, it's a beautiful location yeah. and it is a, a mental facility with mental health professionals that are there for you 24-7. Yeah. You know, and again, day one, Walking into a room, and I've walked into a lot of rooms since that. Since that day, you know, mm-hmm. with with from four people to sixty people, yeah. and and spoken in, in at meetings and so on. But day one, fifty people in a room for community, and community is generally will start with what they call names and claims. So around the room, everyone in the room, first name only, obviously, yeah. and why you're there. Um. And it's interesting to listen, and I know mine changed. It changes as you've been the longer you've been in in the facility. Yeah. You know, my first day, I think I was, I'm I'm Nathan, and I'm here for Game of Thrones. Yeah, and you sort of let it yeah. go. And the, the 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 last part of names and claims is how you're feeling, and it's not good. Thanks. Yeah. You know, there's a a chart of, of emotions. I think there's eight of them that are charted on the wall and you need to pick one or two or three or all mm. eight if you do. Mm. You know, and it's like joy, um, shame, fear, 
you know, sadness. Um, there's a few others, and I can't I'm remember all of them. I'm assuming anger's up there or something yeah, anger's like that. Anger's up there, yeah. yeah. And you need to name your feelings. Yeah. And the first few days, I know for me, it was, I was looking for, for the good things. Yeah. And there wasn't one. So it was like anger, yeah. joy, and I'd just make it up more or less because yeah, yeah. I didn't really know how I was feeling. And then, so you go through the names and the claims, and, and towards the end, it was like, you know, I'm Nathan, I'm here for gambling, drugs, and alcohol. I, I feel like I, I may have some PTSD, and today I'm feeling joy and shame. Yeah. You know, and I, I was sort of in touch with the feelings a little bit that I could name them at that point. Yeah, yeah. And you could sort of pick the people that were new, obviously, because you hadn't seen their face before, but yeah. you'd also hear the way they, they introduced themselves at the start towards the, the older people that had been there a bit longer were a bit more free with their information and so on. Yeah. And the people also you could pick that had been through rehabs before yeah, because they were also a lot more open even though they're on day one. Yeah. And then uh, once that was done, there would be a daily reading. Someone, anyone in the group can, there was three books generally in the middle of the room. Um, Affirmations for the Inner Child is one. And I love that book so much that I actually bought it, bought a copy when I left. And I still read read the daily reading on that every day and take a photo of it and send it around to a group of people that I know. And they'd appreciate that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it really spoke to me. So every time I got an opportunity, I'd run to the middle of the room, <laughs> grab, that, <laughs> grab that book and read that one for the day. You know? I just, I just, so I got this picture of the whole group going, oh, bloody affirmations not, for the inner child again. again. <laughs> Someone else get the book. Oh, can you get yeah. off page number 12, Nate, please? Well, it's dated. So, <laughs> okay. so you read the one for that day, yeah? And another one was just for today, which is a, a Narcotics Anonymous publication with, yep. again, dates dated readings and that was another one I can't remember what it was so you'd have that reading and it'd be read out to the whole group so it's not just you read it to yourself Um, then there was a a really interesting thing that I I didn't really understand what it was at the start and why um, but I grew to love it and it's called A-frame hugging and I I never knew what an A-frame hug was and an A-frame hug is where only the top half of your body is allowed to touch a men hug mate come on it's a man hug (laughs) I never knew it as an A-frame hug And because they also treat sexual addiction yeah, at, yeah. at SPP. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's very... And look, men have to wear shorts below the knee. Um, there's no revealing clothing allowed mm. at all at SPP. So no singlet tops, no muscle shirts. No, muscle shirts, no women in, in halter tops yeah. and, and so on. No, Obviously no shirts off for, for fellas or, or women. Yeah. Um, and it's... Because there, there are a lot of addictions out there and people are suffering from a lot of things and yeah. a lot of things can be very triggering to people, you know. Grabbing someone in a bear hug may feel great to me and you yeah. but may not feel great to the next person. To the person has been physically abused and that triggers them. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And towards the end of my stay, we were, there was a group of guys that were all fairly big guys and we were A-frame hug with some back slapping going on and we mm. actually got pulled up on it and said, you know, take it easy with the back slapping. It's not... It's not a football locker room. Mm. So, and I didn't even think of that. But it was, you know, some people had been not, I hate that word triggered, mm. but some people had, you know, had some memories come to the surface when, when there's a group of blokes back slapping around all over the room. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, it was interesting to get that different perspective. Mm. But I grew to love it. You know, the first couple of days I was just looking at the people in the center of the room going, what is wrong with you people? Mm. You're standing up, you're hugging strangers. And why? But towards the end, that, that human contact was just so important. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I was usually the first one out of my seat. 
and it sounds creepy, the first one out of my seat looking for... You know, I wasn't jumping up looking for a woman to grab hold of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just stood up to make it clear that I was available for a hug. And yeah. you didn't have to. And if you didn't stand up for a hug, no one judged you. And if you did stand up for a hug, no one judged you. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah. And the next thing was... Oh, sorry. When you first walk in, there's a, a whole pile of these little plastic cards. And they're all face down. And I'll, I've got, I bought some of those as well when I left. And I'll show you a little bit later on. Um, and they're called butterfly cards. And on those butterfly cards are little affirmations. So everybody collects a butterfly card. Just pick it up randomly, doesn't matter. And you hold on to it for the meeting, for the community. And at the end, everybody reads the, the, the butterfly card. And the rest of the room affirms what, whatever's written. So one of them I, that I really like is I am safe. Hmm. And the rest of the room repeats back to you, yes, you are. Okay. And, mate, if there's a better way to start a day, I don't really know what it is. Yeah. You know, there's a whole... there's oh, The pack I bought's got like 50 in it. Mm. And there's all different affirmations. And the, the, the group responds in whatever way is appropriate. You know, you mm. are, you can, whatever. And you've got 40-odd people repeating back to you that you're safe. Mm. Feels damn good. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we finish with a serenity prayer. And that, that's... So that's, that's what, the, the first couple of hours? That's the first hour? First 20 minutes, man. Okay. It goes pretty quick in, in that the community goes for once, once... I think it's once a week, once a fortnight, there's a, a community with all of the therapists there yeah. where you get to air any grievances you have. Oh, that's the other part. I forgot about that. The South Pacific are very big on what they call sharing your reality. Yeah. And there's a format to it. Um, sharing your reality is, starts with a question. Adam, may I share my reality with you? And Adam can say yes or no. Yeah. If Adam says no, that's the end of it. It's over. You can't, yeah. you can't force him to listen. Yeah. Adam says yes, then my reality is shared by when you did this, I felt this. Not yeah. you made me feel in it like crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? When you pushed me, I felt inferior. That's it. Yeah. You know? And you cannot respond for 24 hours. So you mm-hmm. can't you can't defend yourself. You can't say, "Oh, that's a whole bunch of crap." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Because the reality is that it's not a bunch of crap. You may think that your action was very insignificant. Yeah. But the fact that I felt this way, you can't argue with. How I felt is how I felt. You you can't argue with how I felt. Mm. Whether you made me feel that way is up to what your intent was. Yeah. Um, yeah. What your intent was is, is totally irrelevant. Mm. The fact is that I felt this way and. You know, you could choose to share your reality in community with the group, with an individual, mm. or you could do it you, yourself another time. Mm. You know, and there was some very interesting reality shared that I won't repeat, but um, yeah, it was some very interesting reality shared as with the group. Yeah, you know, when the group was behaving as a, as a bit of a pack. Yeah, and some people were very upset by that, which is understandable. Yeah, um, you know, it, it sounds like it's so kind of thing. It sounds like you have to. Yeah, you get that 24 hours ago, I examined, did I do that? Oh, shit, I, actually, I did. Yeah. And and in the last time we spoke, you, you spoke about sort of you know, breaking your ego a little bit and having people yeah. that took some delight in that. Yes. Um, but that sounds to me like there's a bit of ego breaking there because you have to then go, shit, actually, I have to take a bit of responsibility for my actions here. I have to actually take responsibility for how I've made someone else think, feel, react. Yeah. And I have to, I have to own that. And you have to make a choice, right? Yeah. You, you can walk away from that 
Like I shared my reality with you. Yeah. You can walk away and go, Nathan's an idiot. I don't need to address that. Yeah. So that's your business. Okay. Or 24 hours later, you can come up and say, man, hey, I'm really sorry that you felt that way. Yeah. That wasn't my intent. This was my intent. But you felt that way and I'm, and I'm sorry. Mm. That's up to you. Mm. Or you can just ignore it altogether. Yeah. It's entirely up to you what you do. But the, the fact is that I've been heard. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's generally the response that you are allowed to give if you want to give any at all is I hear you. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other part of the, the community is, as I said before, the contracts. So, hi, I'm Nathan. I'm here for gambling, drugs, and alcohol. Uh, today I feel whatever it is I feel today. And I'm also on a smoking contract. If you do see me smoking or smell cigarette on me, please support me by encouraging me to speak to a therapist. Yeah. So you've got to own your shit. Yeah. In the middle of the room. Not in the middle of the room, but in, in front of yeah, the entire yeah. room. Yeah. And, you know, there were contracts for humor, yeah. um, which you'll appreciate, <laughs> using humor as a shield yeah, and yeah, a mask. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you get pulled up on that, you need to own that at every meeting, yeah. every day. There's, there's a number of other... For the entirety of the rest the of your entirety stay. Of your stay. Yeah. So I got picked up in the third week. Thank God I only had to own it for a week. <laughs> so um, I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I, mate, I, went, I went three weeks without him, you know. I'm cracking jokes about something. No, 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 not humour. I didn't get right. pinged for humour. I got pinged for smoking. Nice smokes. And I went three weeks without even thinking about it. Yeah. And just the opportunity was presented in front of me and I just was just so ridiculously weak that I took it straight away. Yeah. No second thought, you know. And that scared me enough to... um recommit myself to to pro to the program and trusting the process at spp because yeah. if i could pick up a ciggy that quick what if somebody had offered me a bit yep you know so that that was pretty scary to me so this is all done by about nine thirty. so you've had right. your breakfast breakfast is at i want to say seven forty-five, um which i think it is because it's straight after the beach walk Seven forty-five finishes at, at 8 30 quarter to nine you know don't arrive at nine fifty at eight fifty and expect to have breakfast. Yeah. You don't just get up when you feel like it and turn up. The kitchen's closed, yeah. and and the, indeed the dining hall's closed. Yeah. Um, so if you're late, yeah. you're not a hotel. No, no, your first meal is um, uh, morning tea, yeah. which is a very light snack, and the food's good. Yeah. Like for food that's made without any sugar whatsoever, Oof. it's yeah. it's surprisingly tasty. Yeah. Um, and not repetitious. You know, they've got a really, really good cook, um, catering staff on board. It's The food was 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 tasty. It wasn't yeah. what I was used to. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of green stuff. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. I think it's salad or <laughs> yeah. vegetables or something. Like yeah. There was a lot of that. Um, but there was chicken and beef and vegetarian options, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, because, and, you know, we'll dig a little deeper into Nathan's psyche here. <laughs> When I had the, the gastric sleeve, yep. which, which I've um, touched on with you before. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. I'm interested yeah. in that one, yeah. I, I discovered that if I ate food really quickly or drank uh, with my meal and drank a, a fair amount quickly, that I would vomit. Mm. Um, I think they call it the binging and purging mm-hmm. in, in the model world. I don't want to claim that because I'm no, no kind of model. No. Um, another word would be bulimia, I guess. Yep. Um, but I discovered that I could do that. And I was open and honest with, with SPP when I went uh, in, in group when I was talking about that. And I found myself the next day, and this is 
people told me I was collecting ribbons, right? This is at SPP. You get a, a name bag, a name tag that you that you're supposed to wear all all times around your neck mm-hmm. with a coloured ribbon that denotes what colour group you're in. So there's four mm-hmm. colours: um, orange, purple, green, and blue. And I was orange. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a number, a lot of jewellery now that's orange mm-hmm. that I wear because it, I affiliate with that colour. Mm. But then um, I, I was was given a mindful eating plan because of the the admission of the binging and purging, which was mm. sensible of them. Mm. You know, um, I was put on a, a, a thing for an eating disorder, which I never thought I had. I was going to say, um, man, you walked in there and you really just. They laid it out, didn't they? Oh, by the yeah. way, PTSD, eating disorder. <laughs> Let's give you everything. Halitosis, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. He's got a level of codependence. <laughs> um, so what that meant was that I, I got my meals 15 minutes earlier than everyone else. Yeah. Um, that wasn't on the... They called it the mindful eating table. Yeah. Um, we got to eat with a therapist. Um, we weren't allowed to leave the table for 30 minutes after we finished our meal. Yeah. Um, to stop the binging and purging, yeah, yeah. and our meals were recorded. So what we ate, how much we ate, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, and it was interesting because I was the only guy on the on the mindful eating table, yeah. um, and I don't know whether that was because I just happened to be the only man uh, male in there with a an eating disorder, or whether women are more likely to admit to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but it was it was I, I got a lot mentally out of sitting at that table with a bunch of women yeah. um almost forced to behave myself yeah. and not engage in blokey banter yep um and it was there that a, a woman who I st- oh, I'm still in contact with who who lives in Canada who um picked me up and she said to me why do you swear so much and it wasn't that she was offended by my swearing yeah. at all um she just said, she said, I don't know if you realize, but you use the word fuck as a shield. Yeah. And I was utterly confused by that. I had no idea what, what, what she meant. And when we, we started talking about it, what I found was that I could keep people at bay with that language. Yeah. You know, certain people would be offended by it and stay away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it kind of really hit home that, that there was a lot of different ways that I used to keep people at bay, you know, keep them from getting too close. And from that point in, in rehab, I mean, now I still swear, but at yeah. that point in rehab, I, I really, really was very conscious of what I said and how I said it and whether I was pushing people away or keeping them at, at arm's length with my language. So this, in my head now, this whole process boils down to a simple action and that is being consciously aware of everything you're doing. Yeah, 100%. Why am I putting alcohol into my system? Why am I gambling? Why am I binging and purging? Why am I swearing? Like really examining and being very, very, very conscious of why Why am I doing that? What is the reason for it? What drives my behavior? Yeah. And, and look, my, my therapist said to me that he wasn't there to um, cure my drinking or anything like that. No. They, they, bust, they bust us out at the time um, for... AA meetings and NA meetings and GA yeah. meetings and all that sort of stuff. Now we actually go in for the GA meetings. We mm. so every I think it's every two weeks, two members of GA go into SPP and, and run a GA yeah. meeting. What they do in the off weeks, I think they they still bust people out for GA, but they definitely bust them out for AA and so on. Yeah. So SPP is designed, um, from my understanding, to work on 
the whys and what got you there. Mm. And let's 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 start to to work on clearing the wreckage of your past mm. before we start working on, and, and we'll let AA and GA and all that sort of stuff work on controlling your addiction and, mm. and keeping you off the drink, and we'll work on keeping you from wanting to drink. Mm. And I, I say it all the time: South Pacific Private saved my life, mm. and Gamble's Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous taught me how to live the life that had been saved. Yeah, and that's that's sort of how I looked at my recovery. And so much information to digest from, from South Pacific. If you had access to mobile phones and so on, you would miss what was on offer. Mm. You know, after the community meeting, there was mm. always group therapy mm. for, I think, it was either hour, I think it was hour and a half mm. of group where you'd sort of work on, Everybody have a, a bit of a conversation and then we'd work on one person for that session. Mm. You know, there was always something happening because there was always, there was steps to your program. Mm. You know, there was the, what they called the first step, which has nothing to do with 12 step programs. Um, there was working on your timeline. So all of the things that happened in your life from zero to about 18. Yeah. Not, um, not necessarily your addictive stuff or your anything, just incidents that you remember, mm. you know, and working through that. Um, there's your aftercare plan, you know, what you're planning to do when you go out. And when you've got 10 people in a group, you know, one person per day doing the, the stuff, it sort of adds up. Mm. So you're working on something every day. Uh, then morning tea, then a lecture on, it could be anything, mm. you know, um, addiction medication um, by Professor Robert Saunders is their in-house psychiatric um, medicine person. Mm-hmm. Professor Robert Saunders, uh, one of the leading uh, medical addiction medication specialists in Australia. He's written mm. a couple of books on it, like, mm. and I mean textbooks, books, not yeah, um, yeah not self help. No, you're talking massive, big, like dictionary looking things mm. that are, that he wrote himself and knows inside out. He's an amazing man, mm. and um, he was the one that, that taught me or told me about um, neural pathways. And I had no idea what that meant. And I still don't know in a biological term or a, a neurological term what it means. But the way he described it to me was when you're, when you're walking somewhere, you, you follow the path that's been walked. Mm. You know, if you're walking through a bush and there's, or a long grass mm. and there's a path, you'll follow the path because it's mm. the least resistance. Mm. He said, and in your brain, when X thing happens, you run to the pub. Mm. And that got to be the path. Mm. He said, what we need to do is create a new path off that one so that eventually that path that took you to the pub gets overgrown and you forget all about it being there and you've got this new path that tells you this is what you do when when next thing happens. And I thought that that makes so much sense to me. You know, so I had to forge that new path. Break that loop. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, break the loop. Mm. And now when next thing happens, I ring my sponsor. I send a message to somebody and ask if I can give them a call or communicate via messenger, Mm. you know, um, uh, with that anxiety attack last Friday, I had a, a really good friend of mine chat with me over Messenger for a, a good two hours, just relaying information about how I was feeling, how they were feeling, you know, as people that, that in their lives that were feeling the same sort of way, you know, and it just took me out of it. So prior to that, it's reaction with no insight. Now Absolutely. it's reaction with insight. Yeah. And we can actually understand, like we said before, I understand why you do it. And I understand how to fix it. And get, or how get, to get out of it. Yeah, get out of that loop. Get, a, get, a, 
get off that path and back onto another path. Absolutely. And called yeah. me on my bullshit. I don't yeah. even think that they realized it when they did it. Yeah. But um, they were talking about an incident that occurred and I instantly, you know, there was an interaction between me and this person and there was an incident that, that sort of happened just after that. And I instantly went, oh, look, I'm sorry, that, that, that was that my fault? And they straight away come back, it was typical of you to think it was your fault. <laughs> and it was just a throwaway line, right? Yeah. And that's it. That's exactly what I did. I laughed. Yeah. And up until that point, I, don't, I hadn't had a different look on my face all morning other than a scowl. Yeah. And that was one of the catalysts that broke the whole mood, you know? And right. that person, has, I don't think, has any idea of the importance of what they said. Yeah. But it was just really cool. You know, and, and all that sort of stuff that we learnt there. So there was lectures on that. There was a great lecture from one of the nurses. Um, uh, I don't know if nurse is the right term. Whatever it is, I don't know. I'll call him a nurse. Ron was his name, or is his name. Um, it's still his name. Mm. And it was a, 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 a lecture on spirituality. Mm. And it was the most insane lecture that I've ever sat mm. through, you know, and... It's a four-week program, a three-week program generally, but they extend it to four weeks. Some people get extended to six weeks. Mm. But out of necessity, some of the lectures get repeated. Yeah. Because there's two lectures a day every day, except yeah. for Saturday and Sunday. Um, and there's two lots of group therapy every day, except for Saturday and Sunday. So necessity, some of the lectures get repeated. And you can choose whether yeah. you go the second time or not. Yeah. I went to both spirituality lectures and they were exactly the same <laughs> and I was enthralled just as much the second time as I was the first time. He delivers things very well. Mm. He's a bit of a showman, mm. but the story that he told was just yeah. amazing. It's how we learn stuff. That's, yeah. that's adult education 101. Tell a story. Absolutely. And it was his story. Create an emotional connection, create a wow moment, yeah. create an aha moment. Oh. It, for me, it just went, Wow. Yeah, and the way he told that the whole thing was was perfect. Yeah, yeah. The moment, the speech, and I say this a lot, right? I, I went through SPP. I just realised I say this a lot, a lot. Um, <laughs> I went through SPP with a certain group of people, mm. you know, and whoever they were, the dynamic of the community that we had played a big part in my recovery. Mm. And if I had gone in one day earlier or one day later, the dynamic would have been different. Mm. I just honestly feel very blessed to have gone through with the people that I went through. Mm. And as I said, some of which I'm in contact with today, some of which I'm not. Mm. Um, But it's just an amazing mix of people that even people that came in after Mm. that, um, just every person I interacted with complimented my, my recovery in some way shape or form and I don't know if that was as much to do with the community as it was to do with the fact that I was ready Mm. and I wanted I was ready to hear Mm. and I was ready to listen to the messages that I was listening to I I find that one thing happens and then you so for example last time we spoke you spoke made reference to yeah, if someone cut you off in traffic that was enough for your fight or flight response to go boom yep. and then you go and have a drink absolutely right so then I'm watching something on you know The Mind Explained on Netflix a couple of days later and they've got a 20 minute episode on anxiety you know yes. and they talk about that exact same sort of situation where the mind goes boom 
yeah. then I'm reading something else later on where it's like, oh, yeah, and then and you talked about, oh, I'd go and have a six-pack. That'd be enough for me to have a six-pack of beer. Someone cut me off in traffic and I'd get the shits with him because now the central nervous system's engaged and I'm just going blah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, my fight or flight response is going nuts. And then... I read another thing about someone using alcohol to cut that off. So all of these little inf- pieces of information come along, coalesce, and go, that all makes sense now. That all yeah. actually, that sits nicely together. That person's got that message I need to hear. This person's going to bring that. I'm going to add those two together. That's going to make sense like that for me. And, and it all works. Yeah. Where six months earlier, I could have taken all of that same information and processed it completely differently. Yeah. And I wouldn't right. have got the same result. Yeah. It's just, it's mind-boggling. And, and I, I was thinking, you know, I was talking to somebody else about it, you know. I, I, I handled the, or handled, I had the, the responsibility of the, the GA Huntline phone, they call it, or the D- Diverter phone, they call it, where if you ring the, the GA hotline and it's a landline number and for whatever reason there's no one in the office that day or, you know, it's a weekend or it's after hours yeah. or whatever, it diverts to a mobile and you're supposed to uh, each group will have it for a month so Liverpool group or Parramatta group or whatever yeah. will have it for a month and you know four different people will handle it during that month and I got my hands on it and you know I really enjoyed it yeah. and I didn't want to give it back so <laughs> I kept it for the Liverpool month and then I forgot to when I when I was due to hand it over yeah. I'd actually forgotten to bring the charger with me so I got to keep it for another two. I had it for six weeks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm greedy. Um, but what happened on the fifth week is I got a call from a from a, a young woman whose partner has an issue with gambling. Yeah. And the more I heard about this guy, the more he was reminding me of me. Yeah. He was dead set, is um, me 10 years ago. Yeah. The same mindset, the same fears, and I ended up ringing this guy and I was talking to him twice a day because, you know, he was not at home. He couldn't get to a meeting. Where he was was a long way from the nearest meeting. He was living in a van. He was not doing very well. And I was in contact with him twice a day and his partner on text messages, you know, halfway through the the day, most of the day as well. And we ended up, you know, I met up with this guy and, and... I was, I was saying to you before, you know, he's got no rehab, he's none of that sort of stuff. Yeah. He's out there battling his ass out on his own. Yeah. And the strength that that takes, people don't really understand. Yeah. You know, and he's doing it. But it, it, it comes back to, I shouldn't have had the phone that day. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many things had to fall into place for me to have that phone that day, for that woman to ring at that time to get a hold of me when I happened to be in a down yeah. period of work where I could answer the phone straight away yeah. and then be in, in communication backwards and forwards. And the first time I rang, she said, look, can you ring me back on my number and I'll give him the phone because I don't know if he's got a phone. I said, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I rang on her number, no answer, no answer all weekend. And I, I was at the point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this one more shot and if it doesn't work, <laughs> I've done everything I can. You know, I'd rang probably at that point, I'd rang... I reckon 14, 15 times and got no answer. Yeah. One more shot and I rang and he answered, you know, and we had a chat and I said, I spoke to him twice a day, every day after that yeah. for about two or three weeks. Ended up going to a meeting with him, you know, I've spent a bit of time with him and his partner. Um, his partner gets along really well with Sharon. They are very alike. Mm. 
It's it's a whole weird thing. But if I didn't have the phone that day, if I didn't keep trying to yep. ring, if I didn't ring, so many things had to fall into place for that to occur. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's crazy. All the, the And that's just one, you know. There's hundreds of those little things that have happened there, since um, I was aware to notice them. There's an old, uh, the, the adage, oh, look, I hate those, you know, meme things where they have inspirational quotes because <laughs> no one ever explores them. People go, here's a solution to last problem, an inspirational quote. But, you know, the the summation of that is when they say, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Absolutely. And, you know, there's... Absolutely. And he's my teacher. Yeah. You know? And well, it, you're his teacher. Exactly. Either way. Yeah. You know? I think that there's... In every addict dealing with another addict in whatever capacity, mm. there's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. I learn from you. You learn from me. We yeah. learn together. Yeah. And if we don't have that straight away, keep coming back. Mm. It'll come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. So, so we're, now, we're now at lunch. Yep. You know? <laughs> back on track. We're now at lunch and lunch again is, is provided. Yeah. Um, we're at mindful eating or we're not, wherever, whatever the case may be. And away you go, you have your lunch. And again, it's lunch is from 12 to 12.45, not 11.55 and not 12.46. Mm. You know, it's regimented. And yep. I think I, I never really asked the reason for it, but I, I do believe that the reason is that someone who's who's suffering with, with um, an addiction or some mental illnesses as well tend to get very sloppy with food. Mm-hmm. Um, timing and schedules and all that mm-hmm. don't really matter. So it, it's great to have someone put that sort of a schedule and a regiment puts, puts a bit of structure in back in your life yeah, exactly. as well yeah. get up in the morning you're supposed to make your bed yep. some people got away with not doing that for some reason um, I made mine every day unless I could get away with pulling the curtain around it and sneaking away but um, you know your bed got changed for you once a, once every couple of days or a week or whatever mm. but you made your bed you had your breakfast you did your beach walk you know you knew where you had to be at every time you mm. had to attend lectures if you were still in your room um, after the lecture had started, doubtless somebody would turn up, one of the staff would turn up yep. and ask you why you weren't at lecture. Yeah. Um, sorry, just adjusting the mic. Yeah. There we go. So, you know, you needed to be where you were supposed to be at whatever time. Yeah. You know, and especially group therapy. I don't know why people would want to miss that. Um, yeah. Some people did. I, I turned up to everything. Is, is, that I was it's all compulsory. To. Like, is there optional things in this, or is um, there, or is it just frowned upon if you don't turn up? It's compulsory to a point. Like, no one's going to walk into the room, put you in a headlock, and drag you to group yeah. because that's counter counterproductive anyway. You're going to sit there and be a pain in the backside. Yeah. But if you're not going to go to group, you want to have a damn good reason. Yeah. You know why? Why are you sitting in in a rehab that is not cheap, paid yeah. for by private health, if you're going to just sit in your room all day? Yeah. You know you can do that anywhere. Don't don't waste time yeah, yeah, here, yeah. and don't take the spot of somebody who is wanting to engage in the program. Yeah. And it's and it's all over the place there. You know, is trust the process and work the program. Yeah. You know, and you've got to do both. Yeah. I had to trust the process that I didn't understand and didn't believe in. Yeah. You know, and that was tough. Yeah. It was not easy to do. Um, and one of the 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 therapists there, and I think I'll leave him remain nameless. Um, he used to give us what he called the the gifts wrapped in shit, where you would you would there'd be some crappy thing that had happened, yeah. and he'd be like, "Well, what did you do? 
you know, and you you talk through what you did and how you dealt with that, and he'd go, you're welcome. Mm. What do you mean you're welcome? He's like, well, you've learnt a new coping strategy, so that's a gift wrapped in shit. Yeah. You know, and there was a couple of instances of of that with him, um, of things that happened, and at the time I was like, oh, you smug bastard, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But... His story was a good one. I heard his story as well. And, you know, a lot of the, the people that work down there are recovered. Yeah, lived experience. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're recovered from addictions or yeah. depression, anxiety or whatever. They're, they've been through the ringer. Mm. So they inst- there's an instant rapport with the therapist straight away. Yep. And some more than others, obviously. But, um, you know... Credibility you there as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... They'll share, you know, some. They'll share some of their story with you, or they'll share all of their story with mm. you, depending on, you know, what the connection is and how it works. Mm. Um, one of the the female um, at the time was what they called an EWC, which is an evening weekend counsellor. Mm. So um, she was didn't have her own group at that time. Mm. I don't, I'm not sure if she does now. I think maybe she does, but um, she used to sit with me on the on the mindful eating table quite a lot. Mm. And we got to talking quite a lot. And I, I look at people, I just, people like her caused me to look at people differently. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I very rarely used to judge a book by its cover, I thought. Hmm. But, uh, you know, certain people I'd look at and just, I maybe would talk to, wouldn't talk to, whatever. Hmm. But especially her and, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if I want to mention her name, but she's, She's just an amazing woman. And when I went back there for the first time she saw me afterwards, I went back and I, I did a, they call it a H&I, a hospital institution visit for, for GA. Mm. You know, she grabbed me in a massive hug and said, are you still clean? I said, yes. And she goes, I'm just so proud of you. Mm. And I hadn't seen her for a year and a half. Mm. And I didn't know her at all before I walked through the doors of SPP. Mm. And she mm. was so, and, and you, I could feel it in her that she was so yeah. proud of me. And I said to, I went down with a sponsee, someone that I, I'm taking through the steps of the program. Yeah. And, she, and I introduced him. I said, this is Ross. He's one of my sponsees. I'm working through the program with him. And she grabbed him and she said, listen to this man. He'll take you a long way. Mm. And just blew me away. Did you go, oh, me? Yeah. yeah. No, I was yeah, shocked yeah. that she was talking about me. But I knew better than to use self-deprecating humor at SPP, man. I would have got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was just blown away. But someone that I looked at and yeah. saw such strength in like the the story that she has is so so powerful yeah for her for someone like that to say that about me i was like wow yeah just blew me away and then i realized you know that she saw me the same way as i saw her and we were equals yeah and that's how she treated me when i was a a patient a client whatever you want to call us she treated me as an equal then and that's why i felt that closeness to her and, and how cool she was yeah and it's weird. Like I'd never, I always looked at the 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 counselors or the therapist or the teacher or the boss or whatever as my superior. Yeah, yeah. And to have someone on that level that I that I put on that level treat me as an equal was a very very new experience for me. You touched on it at the start though that sense of community. So yeah. immediately what they're trying to do is go, hey guys, we're all in this together. Yeah. This is there's no no difference between you and I. Exactly. It's just yeah. And that's what I say, once a week, I can't remember if it's once a week or once a fortnight, but it's one of the two, right? And the community gets together and it's a, it's a standard community, but the therapist, because the therapists don't attend mm. community every morning, mm. but they do once a week or once a fortnight, whatever it is. And that is designed to give you the ability to say, hey, therapist, 
spill? Mm. What happened with this? Mm. Or can I share my reality with you better? Mm. Because did they do the same thing? Did they do the my name is Bill, I'm blah blah or my name is, is Bill, I'm a I'm a therapist here. Okay. Now, they they could have owned their, their thing if they wanted to. Yeah. Um I guess it depends on, on themselves. They, yeah. they they have that option. Yeah. But yeah, they most um identified as I'm, you know, Bill, I'm, I'm a therapist here at SPP. Yeah. Because there are people that in the room that, you know, may have arrived that day and don't know who that person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need to identify them. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's as well true too. That yeah. Um, but it was just, you know, when I went through a, a different part of that SPP um, in week three, to, I've sort of been through, I guess, a standard day. Afternoon, after lunch, you have another lecture, another group, yeah. another session of group therapy, then dinner, um, an afternoon beach walk before dinner. So there's two beach walks every day. Yeah. Sounds awful. Then, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you get get bussed out for a, a meeting or an internal meeting at the hospital, whatever the case may be, after dinner. And if you're not scheduled for a meeting, then you suppose, or even after the, the group comes back, I think it's nine o'clock, is mm-hmm. a, um, a group session without a therapist. Mm. So they call it journaling. You, you go in and you and you sort of write down your day and how it's been with your group and mm-hmm. you discuss every, anything that's happened throughout the day that you may need support with or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's group therapy without a therapist, mm-hmm. a bit of a free-for-all. Um, that's completely and utterly optional. A lot of people didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Orange group that I was with, we, we did it every night mm-hmm. and so beneficial. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked that round the other day. Then you have supper. Mm-hmm. Um, supper is the reason I'll never eat another salata in my life or a cicata, the cicata oh, yeah. rice biscuits. I liked them before. I, I, I just can't. Yeah, there's PTSD associated oh, with that. Man, so many cicadas. Um, and there's, look, I watched, I watched a guy get handfuls of dates and take them away from, from supper. Mm-hmm. And I questioned, well, what the hell are you doing? He said, well, you can't, there's no sugar for your coffee either. So it's decaf coffee with no sugar. Mm. Oh, and he was crushing geez. dates and putting them in his tea oh. so he could get some sort of a, a sweetness. Yeah, like, yeah. Dude, that's keen. That's desperation for, for coffee. For, you know, for the interesting, you, like, you offered me a coffee and you came in, when I came in, I took one, uh, you want sugar. I actually stopped sugar about six, well, stopped adding sugar to things about six weeks ago. You get used to it. Yeah, I have um, artificial sweetener. I have yeah. one. No, I don't have anything. One um, Hermesita tablet. Those tiny yeah. little tablets. One and you figure out what's good and bad coffee after a while, though. Oh yeah, like you really work out what's. They taste. use sugar, sugar and milk to mask oh, bad yeah. coffee. Yeah, because sugar thing. makes anything taste great. But yeah, yeah, you figure it out. But but it was a, that was a lifestyle choice thing as well. I just went, yep, sugar. There's enough sugar in most things. Interestingly enough, this is a thing. Cup of milk. There's like four teaspoons of sugar in that. Yeah, on its own. But you don't you don't think of that. No, like a, like fructose in apples and yeah. so on. There's a lot of four teaspoons a lot of, sugar of sugar in an it. apple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so that's your day. Off you go to. From then on, it's free time until about I think eleven thirty is lights out. And it's literally lights it's out. Literally it's literally lights they out. turn every light off. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, if if you've got a light on, mm. somebody will pop into your room and ask if you're okay. Okay. So. Generally, people turn their lights off. Okay. Um, you're still allowed out of your room. There's no one policing your room. There's no security yeah. guard saying, hey, get back in your room. You can walk up and talk to nurses or the evening weekend counsellors or, mm. you know, whatever, if you want to get support after that time. That's up to you. But 
you're not allowed to stay in the, the Rock Castle area or any of the common rooms or anything like okay. that after that time. So, and that's it. Off you go to bed in, in your crinkly um, plastic covered sheets. So, before we wrap this part up, just real quickly, what's your what was your favourite part of the day? Apart, apart from you know lunch and dinner and stuff. Um, a frame hugging and butterfly cards. Yep, I really loved. Um, the beach walks were great, mm. um, but again. Uh, there's no exercise at South Pacific, so you can't run. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not like a gym or a... Or Addictive. A, yeah. Exercise can become an escape. Yeah, yeah. You can escape from how you're feeling by going for a 10-mile run and punishing yourself for that 10 miles. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no running, there's no push-ups or sit-ups or anything like that. Mm. Um, no swimming. So walking along the beach when it's getting a little bit warm, I was there in March... It's a little bit warm, you know, and you can't have a swim. Some yeah, some people did that on their last day, right? They they would go for a beach walk in the morning and then just run into the water. And it's like, ah, it's my last day. Yeah. It was like, it sort of felt like the last day of school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it. The teachers a, can't get me in trouble. Day, yeah. It's like, guys, seriously, you're 35. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. Yeah. I actually, on my last day, I wore a pair of tracksuit pants with shorts underneath. Yeah. And I had, in my head, I guarantee you I was going swimming. Yeah. I was, we went. We walked. Actually, did the freshwater walk. So it's not always a beach walk. Sometimes they do the boardwalk, yeah. which goes all the way from Curl Curl around a freshwater yeah. um, swimming pool, uh, ocean swimming pool, and then yeah. back up and around to the thing. And you do a couple of laps of that. And I was determined. I was diving into the pool at, at freshwater. And I got about halfway there, and I was talking to the lady who happened to be the the counsellor that was on my um, mindful eating table. Mm. And we were chatting away and she didn't say anything about it and I didn't mention it, but we were just talking about integrity. Mm. And every morning, the other thing that they do is an integrity pledge as a group Mm -hmm. that you, and I can't remember the the exact wording, but the the last words is today I will uphold my integrity. Mm. And I was walking along, we're talking about it and I I was just going, you know what? I I, I, I can't. 29 days. I can't. Yeah. I couldn't. And I ended up telling her, I said, look, I've got shorts on underneath. I was determined to have a swim. And she kind of looked at me like she was a little bit disappointed. And I went, but I can't do it. I can't. I literally couldn't make myself jump in the water. I was like, I've done this for for 28 days in a row. Have you gone back and had a swim since? Oh, a couple of times. Okay. The kids kids have had a swim there. My kids have had a swim there. Because when I go down there for the H&I, right, we all go. And we have dinner. At, at a little restaurant somewhere down there and then yeah. the kids and Sharon go and play on the beach and I go and do my talk and yeah. then I come out and we drive back home. Yeah. It's like a family thing. Oh, it's, it's really cool. But the thing I did want to touch on, and the only change to that whole day thing, so weekends are different. Yeah. There's, no group, um, there's no group therapy on a weekend and there's no um, uh, lectures on a weekend. Mm. Obviously, the, the counsellors can't work seven days a week. Mm. Um, so you're sort of left a little bit to your own devices. Mm where you can do colouring and board games and all that sort of stuff. You still do meetings and the, and the meals are still at set times, mm. but it's a little bit more free. And there are still counsellors on deck, the EWCs on deck to talk to. Mm. But the, the big change to that is they, they run a different, like it's a breakout, I guess, program called Changes. Mm. And they select us, they sit with as a group of therapists and they select five to four to seven, I think, people mm. to go and do that for, for a week. Where... You get a third ribbon. I got. I got a red one. 
So I had like Thanks, you should see me so proud. Like, like you're, you're beaming right now, like legitimately. It was so And insane. I'm not mocking you, I'm legitimately beaming right now. <laughs> That's why people called me a ribbon collector. <laughs> I had three of them. I had three different colours. Uh, and I have on my name tag and I had braided them together. It was very high school. Um, <laughs> no, but, mate, I knew you in high school. You beat that kid up in high school. Keep probably, going. Probably. <laughs> so changes is like accelerated group. So you do. You don't go out for lectures. You don't go out for group therapy. You don't go out for for walks or anything like that. You do basically, um, almost eight hours solid of group therapy for five days straight. It's it's heavy, yeah. and, and you're encouraged. It's not forced, but you're encouraged to stay with your changes group. Yeah. So you eat together, you hang out together of a night, yeah. and you do all day together in, in the room yeah. with, with a therapist. Yeah. And I had a lovely, lovely just, I, I can't, I can't talk highly enough. Her name's Di Young and right. I can't talk, I can't speak highly enough of her. You know, the, what she put me through in that room um, is, is one of the formulas for, for what I've done for the rest of my recovery and what I'll continue to do for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. She went out of her way and actually wrote an affirmation for me that was specific to me and what I needed to tell myself every day. And I did that every day for a year. Yeah. You know, I, I pull it out every now and again. Now when I'm not feeling all that good, I pull out my affirmation and I'll, I'll read it out to myself. And yeah. I always look myself in the eye in the mirror when I say it because I need to know that I believe it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we went through that in that room and that was that was one of the most formative changing it's called changes. One of those formative p- things that I've ever been through was was that changes program, and it's also the only time. And they 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 did it for me in week three, and they like to have you there for another week after that, yeah. Because it, it's referred to by um, old hands of South Pacific as the changes hangover, yeah. And it is quite real. Well, it was for me anyway. That was the only time when you were talking about leaving, yeah. Um, I woke up and it was the Saturday after changes and I'd been in, in bed at lunchtime, you know, and it's not the usual thing that you would do, but you get cut a little bit of slack after changes because it's pretty heavy. And um, I, I woke up and I was just, I remember it and I can still, I can feel it in my chest right now. I was panicked and I don't know why. I don't know what. Yeah. I was just, I had to run. I had to be gone. Yeah. And I remember I woke up and I grabbed my shoes, put my shoes and socks on, I grabbed my wallet out of my drawer and I was dressed and gone. Yeah. I was leaving. And the weekends, they, they usually have um, the family program. So it's families of, of past um, clients yeah. will come in with the client and do a, a weekend of workshops around, you know, what happens at South Pacific yeah. and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it's a really cool thing. Um, yeah. But it was on weekends and they had just broken for lunch. So the entire family program, about 10 people, were in the foyer. Huh. So I've run down the stairs and I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm, I'm gone. I don't know where I was going, but I was gone. Yeah. And I run smack bang into 10 families, two of which had clients that I knew. Yeah. So there's all these people in the foyer and they're like, hey, Nath, how are you going? This is my wife. And I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> I'm in a full-blown attack here. Get out of my way. But I couldn't get out. Yeah. So I thought, bugger it. I'm going over the back fence. So I went up the stairs and out the back door and there's a ping pong table outside. And yeah. it happened to be one of the male nurses was playing ping pong with a client outside. And I've seen him and gone, shit. <laughs> can't go. <laughs> I can't go out the back either. Yeah. And then uh, a young lady um, spotted me 
And she said to me, you okay? Again, like your, yeah. your podcast is called. She said, are you okay? And I just, I, I remember looking at her and just going, no, I'm not. Yeah. And she we sat me down for a little bit and then disappeared and came back with a couple of the people from my changes crew and we had a chat and right. I was okay. You know, but that was the only time I ever, I ever felt like running while I was there. Yeah. And I, I still don't know. I must have had a dream or something. Yeah. But I was in a in a pretty pretty blind panic. Just the brain just went. Yeah, brain just said I'm out. I'm yeah. done. And yeah. yeah, I don't even know where else, I was. I I know I, I remember running around the facility. <laughs> Cause, you know, I, I, I just had one of those like Hollywood movies, you know, where yeah. it's like almost like you know, oh, there's there's no, a, a group, group of kids there. And, oh, there's two guys with glass walking along. I can't get out that way, you know. <laughs> Everywhere I went, and obviously I wasn't meant to leave. Yeah, yeah. Right, and. Someone kept me there for something, but um, yeah, I, I couldn't leave. And but I don't even know where I was going to go. Yeah, I, I grabbed my wallet. Dream curl, curl. Oh, it's like a fifty k's from here. Fifty k's from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I grabbed my wallet, right? Yeah. But I'm a compulsive gambler who has turned over all of my finances to to my wife well before I went to South Pacific. Yeah. So I had a wallet that had nothing in it. Yeah. That had a key card that had no money in an account. Yeah, yeah. The only reason that I could think of to grab my wallet is I have my license in it, but I didn't have a car. Yeah. And I had no mode of transport, and I'm in Curl Curl. I had no idea where I was going to go to. But I was, 10 hours of walk home. Yeah, but I was going. I was, yeah. I was out. But yeah, it was. But mate, for all the, the, for all the painful things that I had to deal with, that I had to bring out and deal with there. For all the shit that I had to have in that place and for all the reasons that took me there, I don't I don't have one ounce of regret for any minute that, that took me to, to, to South Pacific. Mm. Everything that, that happened in my life that ended that landed with me there happened to land me there. Yeah. And the people that I met there and the 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 therapy that I went through there and what I learned there have made me a better parent, a, a better husband, a better friend, mm. and just a better influence on my children. Like I, I, I do South Pacific stuff mm. with my kids. Mm. I do it with Sharon. Mm. You know, I do it with friends. I do it with family. You know, take take a breath and listen for your second thought. Mm. I say that a lot. Mm-hmm. My first thought's gibberish. Yeah, Always yeah. is. Yeah. You can't <laughs> can't rely on it. Yeah. But the second thought's usually okay. Yeah, you know, and and I, I I use a lot of the stuff that was taught that I was taught at South Pacific in my daily life. Yeah, you know, and some from people that I didn't really like, that I, that I probably wouldn't associate with pre going to South Pacific. The, the pre South Pacific version, you would have laughed at those people. Would have laughed and would have wanted to. The, the, look, this, the the guy there was a guy there, and I, when I first saw him, I wanted to hit him. Hmm. You know, he's a, and he's a therapist. And that probably wouldn't have gone over well once I learned his story. He sure. probably would have kicked my ass anyway. Yeah. But he said to me, on, was it my first or second day? He said, hey, mate, you're new here. I'm so-and-so. And I said, yeah, look, I'm Nathan. And he said, yeah, how are you going? I said, oh, I'm good, thanks, you. And he said, that's bullshit. That's a lie. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? He said, mate, you're in a psychiatric <laughs> hospital. If you're good, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> Well, you know, you got a point. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> that fair. Was, that was kind of the first sledgehammer to my ego. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. Like, looking back, I was really offended when he said that's a lie. Yeah. I was like, well, who, who the hell are you? Yeah. But end result was that was, it was, he was 100% right. Yep. 
ultimately, that was the truth. That was the start. Now, this is part A. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna pause it here for those of you that are listening. Unfortunately, you're gonna have to wait two weeks because <laughs> the plan is to do one release one this weekend and release the second one next weekend. So in in the next session, what we're going to talk about and what we're going to touch on is life after rehab. Um, hopefully, you guys got a lot out of that. I, I certainly did. I had heaps of questions and I'm all got answered. Um, and, and, and actually, before we go, best meal. Best meal. Chicken nachos. Okay. I can agree with that. We'll leave it there. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) 